0: Welcome to the Sound of Truth Bible Chat with your host, Brett Moroni, where he leads discussion in God's Word. Let's join him now. Time for another Bible Chat, and I have with me in the studio today, Eric Piment. He's been with us before. Eric, we have agreed to look at the book of 2 Samuel. What do you want to bring to the table today to chat about?
1: Just a reminder, 1 Samuel is about the uh, ministry of uh, the prophet Samuel to the first king, King Saul. 2 Samuel is about the ministry of the prophet Samuel to the second king, King David. In uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, there's a very important prophecy, which some would call the uh, prophecy of the messianic kingdom. The prophecy given to David through the prophet Samuel that God would build him a house, and that that house would come through his own uh, bloodline, through his own seed, a a physical descendant through the line of David. And that's what they mean when they say they come from the house of David. They mean that they are a literal male descendant uh, of David. And that prophecy covers both his own natural son, Solomon, and also the future son of David, Jesus, who is called, in the New Testament, the son of David. What we have in here is David has built himself a nice house, a house lined with cedar so that it smells really nice, and it comes into his mind that the house of God, which is essentially the tabernacle which has been brought to Jerusalem, is still in a tent. Uh, It is a tent built by God's design, but it it doesn't have the ascetic appeal of a a permanent structure, especially the, the beauty of his house of cedar. And so he decides to go ahead and build it, and then Nathan the prophet, is uh, says, "Oh, He's, go ahead and do whatever you want."
0: He he decides to build a temple now for the Lord. He's like he feels almost like feels sorry for God. You're you're over in this tent. Well, I'm in this big beautiful palace, and so I need to build you something great. Which, on a side note, God never asked for it. In fact, I preached a message not long ago here at Harvest. God prefers a mobile home.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God never asked for it. David wanted to do it, and it wasn't out of a bad heart, or it wasn't no. out thinking that oh, the house we've got doesn't look good. But it, he just realized that there there was a certain visual appeal and uh, a certain permanence. He doesn't see any plans on moving, and he knows that God has decided to that this is good, going to be the place where all people will pray to. Even, mm-hmm. and so at this point, uh, Nathan the prophet says, "Oh, go go ahead and do whatever's in your heart. I you know I'm I'm with you." But then the Lord speaks to Nathan and then gives him uh, a, a special word to bring back to David the king the very next day, which he, which he does. And so in Second Samuel seven, there is a, a pivotal, a critical, and important passage. Which uh, you know there are many important things, but this is this is very important. It came to pass in the night the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord. Are you going to build me a house? Uh, I haven't asked for anything like this. And then, as you mentioned, this is uh, God had said, I've I've never asked for this. Mm -hmm. But you may do it. Mm -hmm. And God allows him to do it. And so he gives him instructions, and he says, I will appoint a place. In verse 10, for my people Israel, I will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. And so, you know, there's God's corroboration. Okay, okay I'm not going to move to another city. And they shall not be afflicted. But more importantly, in beginning in, in verse 12, he says, when the your days are fulfilled and you shall sleep with your fathers, which is, of course, a metaphor for David's death, I will set up your seed after you. He shall proceed out of your own heritage, your own bowels, and I will establish his kingdom, and he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. Uh, that last phrase, I will be his father, he shall be my son, is actually applied to Jesus Christ in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5. So this prophecy that he's going to establish uh, someone out of his uh, own bloodline is actually a dual prophecy, and it fulfills what I believe is what's called the law of double fulfillment, that many prophecies in the Old Testament actually have a local fulfillment, and then they have a far-reaching future fulfillment, usually in the Messiah,
0: Jesus Christ. So when I read this passage, it's amazing to me how, in my mind, I'm recognizing this is applying to Solomon to a degree, but it's also applying to Christ to a greater degree, And there's a sense in which I think that the Lord was establishing this for future (laughs) reference uh, just as much as he was for current application.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and, I remember that uh, the first time I read this, I had a a problem that really immediately came to my mind because it occurs later. It says, if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men, I will with the stripes of the sons of men, but my mercy I will not take away from him. And as Christians, we know that Christ committed no sin. He was sinless, he committed Mm -hmm. no transgression. You know, he has done no iniquity. How does that work in here? Mm -hmm. And um, I found the resolution when I saw that the word begins with if, Mm-hmm. if he commits iniquity, it doesn't say when he commits iniquity. If, if this had been solely a prophecy of Solomon, it would be when he commits iniquity, I will. Mm-hmm. But this is a prophecy which is intended to apply to two, to Solomon and also to Jesus Christ. And so the word if does not imply that you're required.
0: That's beautiful. It's great stuff. So how does this apply to us as the believer today? What, what is the take-home application for us?
1: Well, the take-home application is that and and this is especially when your faith is challenged about Jesus Christ. For me, uh, sometimes your faith is challenged by something you read about Christ or something like that. Um, And to remember that this was predicted in the Bible a thousand years before Christ was born. Mm -hmm. You know, when we're talking about this prophecy to David, we are literally talking about nearly 1000 years before the birth of Christ. And this is, Bible prophecy is one of the things that let us know that Jesus didn't wasn't just a man who decided, you know what? I can go ahead and make a lot of the Bible turn towards me. Mm -hmm. which is one of the things, you know, that Hugh Schoenfield did in his book, The Passover Plot. You know, he argued that, oh yeah, Jesus Christ was, Jesus was really a a Jewish rabbi, and he decided that he would make a lot of Bible prophecies point about him, and so he invented a bunch of things and arranged things so that he would look like a messiah. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't Mm -hmm. look like a messiah if you actually are fulfilling all the prophecies, and in particular, he literally was a descendant of David, and that's why the genealogies, which many people find so boring, are important. They're in there in the book of Luke and they're in there in the book of Matthew to show us that this was actually fulfillment of prophecy, not just some man who
0: engineered his way into being a king. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So one of my favorite things about this particular passage and this prophecy is that we want to, even to this day, we put so much emphasis on church buildings, almost like that's the fulfillment of this we can in our minds this is the temple of god this is the house of god this building we're in that's it's called the church and don't run and chew gum inside the church (laughs) yeah yeah but in reality um the temple was torn down it only existed in history for a little over a couple hundred years total Uh, and that's in both of the temple part one temple part two when it was rebuilt it still didn't last real long you know um AD 70. But Christ came to establish a new kingdom that wasn't going to be in any specific location. Jo- John chapter 4, he told the woman at the well, you know, it's not about where you worship, it's that you worship in spirit and truth because he was coming to establish a kingdom in, that would be dwelling in the hearts of men and women. You don't have to go to Jerusalem anymore. You don't have to look toward the temple or pray toward the temple. You are now the temple of God. The Holy Spirit now dwells in his people.
1: Yes, and and so the prophecy has a double fulfillment in the house. The house first was built by Solomon and it was a physical structure, but the other one, as the Bible says, you are the temple of God, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And for those who like Numbers, 1 Corinthians 3.16 and also 6.16. Mm-hmm. So just add 3 and 3, you get 6. 3.16 and 6.16 both say essentially the same thing, that you are and your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus lives in, lives in us and lives in us as a whole, as, as a corporate body, not just as an individual body.
0: Which is why I've said more than once to our congregation, when you pass by here on San Jose, if no one is in this building, it's not the church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a building the church uses and the church shows up at to worship together. As,
1: as Hebrews says, we have a temple not made with hands.
0: Amen. Yeah. Well, that's Second Samuel 7. A little chat about that. I uh, want to encourage you to join us in our next episode. We're going to talk a little bit more about the book of Second Samuel. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth Podcast is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville and is copyrighted by Brett Amirani, 2022.